to look with us. We're in Romans chapter 8. Apologize for my voice. It's not fully recovered from Friday. Um, but Romans chapter number 8, last time we got down to about verse number 28. And so in this chapter and in the chapter or two before, you have saw that the Spirit of God brings about the regeneration, the new creature in them that are saved. The Spirit of God dwells and abides in them that are saved. The Spirit is there to guide them through this life. The Spirit is there as our companion in sufferings and in trials. The Spirit is our helper in prayer. And uh, also here in verse number 28, so what we've been looking at is the afflictions of those that are saved. When trouble, when trials would come in the lives of those that are saved and that are born again, our, our world and the carnal mind of man does as Job's friends did and say, well, this trouble has come on you because you've sinned. And that comes from the mouths of people that sin. Ain't that something? That's somebody that talks like the devil and that acts like the devil, points a finger at somebody else and says, well, you're in trouble because you've sinned. But now that's, that's the way. It's the way man thinks. It's the way man believes. But that's not the truth. Is it? Was that the truth for Job? Was that the truth? I tell you, we've got a perfect example in the Lord Jesus Christ. Was that the truth for Him? Absolutely not. But all of that was according to the predetermined plan of God Almighty. And that's what we're going to see for us as well. Now, so the Spirit is there to help us through our afflictions. He's there to help us in our prayers. And in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now let's, let's rightly divide this Scripture because I've heard this, I've heard this several times, and I don't know that I've ever heard it and it, it be right. I've heard it taken and applied to Jesus. I'm going to say the majority of the time that you hear this Scripture and you hear the word predestinate and you hear the word uh, God's purpose, they say, well, Jesus, He was predestinated for the purpose of God. That is, that is very true. I believe Peter tells us in Acts that it was by the predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge of God that Jesus was delivered unto crucifixion. But Jesus is not the subject of what He's talking about here. He's talking about now in these previous verses the sufferings of those that are saved, how that they have an eternal redemption to look forward to, how that they have a companion in the Spirit through their afflictions and trials in this world, and not only that, but they are the called... So he's talking now 
There, there's no way that there can be any other explanation. But when he's saying all things work together for good to them that love God, now that can be taken and misconstrued. But we know this, those that love God, they love Him because God first loved them. Without the call of God and God's purpose in their life, there would be no love for God. And if you need evidence of that, if you're saved, you can look back before God called you, was there any love for God from you? What love that people have for God today, that comes after His call. That's the truth. So them who love God, to them who are the called, that word there, same word you see a lot of times for church, called out, appointed, to them who are the called, according to His purpose. So that word means setting forth, proposal, or intention. So who's the called? The church are those that are called and appointed. And whose purpose is it? My purpose? The church's purpose. No, it's, it's God's purpose and design in every bit of it. So God has chosen, He has purposed in His eternal will to call the church into this salvation. Appointed is one meaning of the word. We won't get too deep into that yet, but it, we will. But in Genesis chapter 50, I believe we can see an example here. Now this is a very well-known example uh, and a scripture that we've probably all heard a multitude of times. In Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So here's Joseph. Joseph was hated, and his brothers were jealous of him, and they sold him into Egypt. And he went down to Egypt. He was sold as a slave. He was taken from the slave's house and thrown in jail. And there he sat in jail for years. Now, wouldn't you say that it'd be easy for a man in Joseph's shoes to say, I have been mistreated. I've been walked over. Well, Joseph must have sinned for this to have happened. Was that true? See, this, this is all, it's always off. If God's going to start dealing out to people punishment because they've sinned, where are you going to find yourself in the morning? By the Word of God, the wages of sin is death. If God's going to deal out what's fair to everybody, we're all going to lift our eyes in hell. It's a truth. Lord have mercy, it's a truth. you got people preaching to the church to save people. you got to live right or God's going to punish you for it. Really? Lord have mercy. I, people's the wrong doctrine has marred the mind of man because the people that preach that, they sin too. 
God going to punish them too? No, no. See, they're always too good to be punished. We're a little above everybody else. But boy, let trouble fall on Job and we'll jump all over him. Yeah. yeah. They were reproved and Job prayed for them. That's what the book says. They were not right. Man's harshness, his hatefulness, his judgmentalness, all in an effort to exalt himself is not the Word of God. It is not. So Joseph hated by his brethren, sold into Egypt, he could have come to a place of great bitterness. Could you see that? To be bitter towards God. God, why have you brought me to this place? What's, why am I here? What is it that's brought me here? But you know what Joseph could do? I believe you could look through his story and you could see himself encourage himself in the Lord. And he tells his brothers here now, now the situation's changed here. But Joseph says, you meant to do me harm. You meant to get rid of me. You meant, honest to God, they meant for him to get killed is what they meant for. But they didn't want to do it with their own hands. They wanted somebody else to. So they sold him. Now ain't that what the Jews done with Jesus? They wanted him dead but they didn't want to do it with their own hands because they couldn't eat the Passover. So they gave him to the Romans and encouraged and called for them to do the work. So they sold him. They meant evil. But God was behind every last bit of it. That was the predetermined counsel of God Almighty. That was the predetermined will of God that Joseph be hated, that Joseph be sold, and that Joseph go to prison, and that he interpret Pharaoh's dream, that Joseph be exalted, and the world be saved through his laying up of the corn during the years of plenty. You see that? That was God behind it all. Your heart meant evil. God was working good. Now you see that same, and what a great picture there, of the Lord Jesus that you see. The very same work that's done. The Jews, the Romans, they killed Him and they meant evil. They did not mean good. They were not looking for salvation to spring forth out of it. This man was a nuisance and we need him removed out of the way. They meant it for evil. But God's predetermined plan was that they would hate him and that they would crucify him, that he could resurrect from the dead and save his people from their sins. That was the plan of God. That was predetermined to be that way. And so, those that are saved, they're saved in the same way. They're saved by the grace of God through His purpose and His will. Well, it was my will that I got saved. 
It's free will that you get saved. It's we're free moral agents and we're determining. <clears throat> but now if, if I'm honest with myself and I go back to the days when I was lost and undone, and I think, okay, at what point then am I going to be willing of myself to come and be saved? I don't know that I I don't know that I can see a time in my mind that I'm ever going to come myself. I, I, I'm confident that I'd have died lost. I'm confident that I'd have never come to the gospel. But this is God's purpose, not mine. Joseph would have never chose to get sold. I believe Joseph loved his daddy, and his daddy loved Joseph. It was not Joseph's will to go to Egypt. It was not the will of Job to endure the suffering that he endured. And Jesus himself prayed in the garden, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't look forward to suffering either. Nobody in the flesh looks forward to affliction or to suffering. But I tell you, the church, the elect, the called of God have got the assurance that everything that happens is under the control and the direction of Almighty God. I don't see how anything good could come out of this. That's the bitterness of the carnal mind and of the devil. Could not Joseph had said the same thing? when he was in prison. I mean, Jesus, omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-seeing, so certainly he would have never said. But you put yourself there on the cross or being beaten. Could it not be said in the flesh, what good could come out of this? As man looked on, he was despised and rejected of men. God had smitten him for his sins. That's what man thought of him. He was being punished, rightfully so, for his ungodly and wicked deeds. But see, this was the plan of Almighty God. In Hebrews chapter 12... Verse number 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So is it joyous? Is it pleasurable? Does the flesh enjoy? But you know what this is now? Chastening. I, I know what the tradition would say. Chastening here, the word means to train 
as training a child. You know what you're doing? You're teaching them how they ought to think. You're teaching them how they ought to react. You're not beating a young'un to be beaten. But you are trying to train them up that they might know how to live in this world. Well, God takes all these things, whether it's affliction and trouble, whether it's the gospel coming out of the pulpit, whether it's the Spirit of God bringing condemnation in the heart. God is training us in how we ought to think, how we ought to react, what we ought to believe. He's teaching us. I tell you something that needs to be got out of the mind is that affliction is a sign for how close I am to God. I tell you that supposing gain to be godliness, you ought to turn away from those lies. Because if that's true, friends, who's the most godly people in the United States? Now, we know better than that. You look at how they live, what they give their money to support, what they uphold and what they proclaim, you know they're not godly. That's not true. That is not true. What's in my pocket and what's going on at my house has nothing to do with how godly that I am. The richest one here has, hasn't got a percent of what the richest has. Not a percent. They wipe their nose with everything you've got and throw it in the fireplace. It's a truth. So to think that that means I'm godly, that, that's wrong. It's wrong. To think that affliction means that I've sinned is equally wrong. It is. It's equally wrong. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, I've used this verse a lot in the past, and I believe that you can take this, you can believe it, or you can say, well, I don't believe it. I've dealt a lot with that. Well, I just don't know. I don't know if it's good. I don't know how it's good. I don't know what the purpose is. Well, you may not. But I'll tell you this, you've got the Word of God that all things work together for good. You're in the hand of an all-knowing God and the truth is, I don't know my pinky nail to the ocean. I know right here, right now, for me as an individual, God knows all things. Lord have mercy. Man's got himself exalted into glory up there with God Almighty. It's not true. It's not true. God's in control. It's according to God's purpose. And this affliction, God's working to good to everyone that's called according to His purpose. Now, if we're not called then affliction's not helping you grow. It's not teaching you anything. It's not proving anything to a lost and dying world. 
the truth is for them that are lost, you might as well just pray that everything goes smooth and good for them in this life because when they step out of this world, it's eternal death and suffering without hope, without reprieve, without mercy. Even the most afflicted here has no comparison to what they're going to suffer when the lost leave this world. There is no comparison. But to them that are saved, I tell you they've got hope of eternal salvation after this world. They have God dwelling in them in this world that 99.9% of this world does not have. You talk about the 1%. It's far less than 1% of 8 billion people that are truly saved and born again that know anything about God other than tradition and opinion and thought. Very few people in this world are blessed by the purpose of God to have this salvation that we have. We have it today not because we're good, not because we come to liberty, not because we're from Spring Creek, not because we have a King James Bible. We are saved today by the purpose and direction of God. God called according to His purpose. So, the next verse. I, I believe you can see that. Let's, let's look in Ephesians. Let's look in a place or two as well. Ephesians chapter number 1. Verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. So, whose grace? It's God's grace. Who made us to be accepted? See, people think, well, I come to the altar, and what I did in the altar made me accepted unto God. But the truth is, those that are saved, God made them accepted in Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. So it wasn't by learning. wasn't because I studied a bunch. It's not because I met the quota of how many gospel sermons that I needed to hear. But God Himself, by the riches of His eternal grace, made known the mystery of His will. God Himself uncovered that. And that's what the book says. According to His good pleasure. Not my pleasure. Not because I got down and prayed and said, God, open that mystery to me. I never did do that. Did you? You know when you did pray? When He revealed. You know when Paul prayed? When God revealed. You know when everybody on the face of the earth is going to pray that God would reveal the mystery of this salvation to them? 
when God enlightens them to their true condition. This is according to His pleasure. His good pleasure, that word means satisfaction, which He hath purposed, set before, which He hath purposed in Himself. So this is God's good pleasure that God purposed in Himself. See, it's written. It's written in simple words. But man just can't eat it. Man can't believe it. But this is what the book says. This is God determining, calling according to His will, not according to mine. God is not waiting on me to react so that He can move. Do you see that? We'll see more of that later on in Romans. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in Him. So, who determines then the fullness of times? I mean, there's, there's no other explanation, is there? So in, in Galatians, let's, let's look at a couple places in Galatians. Chapter number 4, verse number 4, just a couple pages backwards from Ephesians there. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So by that picture then, this is Jesus' first advent when He's born to Mary. Did man have any power in determining when that was going to be? Nobody did. God determined when Jesus was going to be born. That was by the purpose, plan, and will of God. Now I can sit here and say, boy, God sure should have brought Jesus out a whole lot sooner than He did. And everybody here could say, Amen! I agree, God should have moved a little quicker. You know what I'm doing? I'm questioning an almighty, all-knowing God as somebody that realizes he don't know diddly squat. The book tells me his ways and his thoughts are higher than the heavens are above the earth. So you know what I ought to just do? God, you know what you're doing. You just do that. Right? So the fullness of times was determined by the predeterminate counsel of God. God determined when Jesus was going to be born. Now what about for me? Not, I mean, you could say even born naturally. Lord, I didn't have no power over that. But I, let's look at the spiritual birth the day I got born again. Well, I got in when I got willing. I got in when I got ready. You see this trouble come on me and I came because I got in trouble. Well, let's go back. Same book, Galatians, chapter number 1, verse number 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me 
by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. At first glance, I see it's hard to see what I'm saying in this verse. But you see that Paul admits readily that from his mother's womb... So when, when was that? Boy, that was before Paul ever seen daylight, wasn't it? He was already determined by God in his mother's womb to be this apostle. Was he an apostle... Straight out of the womb. No, he lived, I don't know how many years. Looks like he was at least around 20, maybe even older than that when God saved him. But there were years from his mother's womb until the day that he was on the road to Damascus that Paul was a lost man, that Paul served his own wills, and intentions that Paul was deceived and blinded by the devil and that he himself warred against Jesus and against the church. Even though that from his mother's womb God had chosen him to be this vessel. So let's take out the clause that's in the parentheses. Those parentheses he's adding are in the commas. He's adding detail in there, additional to the sentence. So start back, Galatians 1 verse 15. But when it pleased God, now if you come out of the commas down to verse 16, to reveal His Son in me. So when Paul got saved, what about Paul changed for that to occur? Well, it was the preaching of Stephen. And Paul got willing. No, 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 no. Paul held their coats while they killed him. Paul heard preaching that day. He did. But it was not Stephen, nor his voice, nor Paul's mind being changed by Stephen that brought him to salvation. Stephen died that day. Stephen was, Stephen was, without question, a man of God. I'm not throwing off on Stephen nor his message. But let's, let's see what the Bible says about Paul and his salvation. Paul got saved when it pleased God to reveal his son. Do you know when people are going to be saved? I, I believe it's good. I believe it's appropriate. I pray for my little young'uns that God would save them young. That they wouldn't sin like I did. I believe that's good and appropriate. But you know when they're going to get saved? When it pleases God to call them. That may be at seven. It may be at 27. The God's truth, I've got no control over that. But, now, that don't take my responsibility away from me. I'm responsible to a God that saved me to live in a certain manner by the grace of God that's within me, and I'm told to instruct. So we do that in faith, trusting in God, trusting in His Word, and trusting in His power. 
But I tell you, when people get saved, it's when it pleases God to reveal. Now, he says in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, he says, you'll loathe yourself. I believe when people get saved, they despise the person that they were before. I believe that's natural. But the truth, we were that way by the nature of Adam, by the nature of the flesh. We couldn't have got saved before. You can only be saved when God reveals His Son in you. So what can you say about the day you got saved? That was the day that God took the cover off for me. That was the day that God drew me. I I promise, I'm not out of the book. This is ever be it, what the Bible says. It is the truth. And I believe that if you'll study it, if you'll look at these places, I believe you can see it. I do. I believe you can see it. Uh, one more place here. In First Thessalonians, chapter number 5, verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here, here is where man has such a hard time. Because they say, well that means that God is appointing people to die lost and undone. See, there's where man says that is not fair. What is fair? Let's say that right now, God's going to give everybody here and everybody in the world what is rightfully fair to them. What are you getting? Boy, there'd be no hope. You want God to be fair? Was it fair? Could Jesus say, God, this is fair, as they beat Him for my transgression? Lord have mercy. Who do people think they are? That's not mean. That's a truth. You want fair? No, we, we don't want fair now. Oh, but wait a minute. God's not fair. i tell you what God's done. God's looked over the seed of Adam. You know where the seed of Adam's going? To hell. The natural part of the seed of Adam is going into hell, Sheol, the grave. And on its own, it'll never come back out of there. And the soul... The spirit part of Adam's race is going into Gehenna, the eternal burning place of torment for the souls of them because of their sins. Man is going there without God doing anything. God's not appointing man to that. Man's already going there. He was going there by his own determination 
and by His own will. Is that not the truth? Whether God sent Jesus or not, whether God gave the Word or not, whether there's a church or not, man's going to hell already. It's the truth. That's where mankind is going. But you know what God did? God intervened. God sent His Son. Not so that He could send some to hell. Man was already going. But God, through Jesus, plucked some of the seed of Adam out of His natural state and saved their souls. Now, is that mean? Is that mean? That God, for no reason whatsoever that we've provided, but God through His compassion and love and mercy and long-suffering for the elect of God, sent His Son to bear their punishment on His shoulders and that through Him dying and giving His life, He could pluck them out of their natural state and save them from the destruction that they were heading to. How could you say that that's mean? No, everybody's not going to be saved. They're not. We've got Bible that backs up that everybody's not going to be saved. Is it God's fault? I, I tell you the truth. Your people that aren't saved, where are they today? Fishing? Shopping? In front of the television? Going out to eat? On vacation? Resting, sleeping in? Did God make them do that today? i tell you what they did. They woke up and they'd done exactly what they intended and what they wanted to do. They could have been at the house of God. We got room. You see, man's not coming to it. It's not, as the carnal mind says... Well, boy, the whole world's looking to be saved and God's telling them, no, you're not chosen. Absolutely not. Out of their 61 last Sunday, 54 today out of how many on Spring Creek have put forth enough effort to get out of the blame bed and be at church for an hour and a half. Oh, they're, they're knocking a door down trying to get saved. Hogwash. The people that are seeking salvation are them that God has enlightened. And the rest of the world are doing their own thing, self-willed, in rebellion to the Word of God. It's a truth. It's a truth. Who's fair? I tell you, God's beyond fair. 
God's merciful, compassionate, and long-suffering. And if God did not intervene, there would not be one saved. You don't know that. I do know that. The Bible says if God hadn't left us a seed, we'd have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. Now how many come out of there? There were three. There were. What were they? Lot brought forth two sons from his own daughters that were enemies to Israel. You see, folks, God's not mean. God's not bound by what I think. God doesn't do as I wish Him to do. God does as He sees fit and He shows mercy as He will. And whether He does, whether He doesn't, God's fair and just in every way. Not a single person is going to lift their eyes in hell and say, God, you've done me unfair. The rich man didn't say that. There's not going to be a one that did. Do you know why? Because man's self-willed seeking his own way. Just like me and you now, God didn't intervene for you, you'd still be on that road. It's a truth. Now realize, realize, I believe right now, I believe right now you can see it. Don't go back and revert back to what you think. The world is not beating the door down to try to get saved. They're not standing outside and we've got to raise the windows. I don't know how many people live in 20 miles of here, but a lot more than 50, wouldn't you say? Law, if, if God don't do something, Spring Creek's going to die and go to hell. Ain't that the truth? Not because God made them. They're making their own decision. It's their own will. You want free will? There is man's free will. Look all around you at a lost and dying world and look at man's free will. It's corrupt and it's always evil. It is. It ain't free. Lord have mercy. What lies. People that are blind, that do not know the Word of God. Moreover, for whom He did foreknow, to foreknow. Now here, you're going to run in to the question. That word means to know beforehand or to foresee. So God's looking now into the future, if you'll have it. Whom He did foreknow. And you'll hear this. I told you before, they apply this to Jesus a lot of times. Now we know that these that are called according to His purpose, that's not Jesus. That's not singular. But He's looking at a group. It's the church of the living God. Now don't make something out of it that it's not. It's the church. For whom he did foreknow. Who did he foreknow? He foreknew the church. Now you're going to hear that taken. And they say, well, what God foreknew is that, that I would believe and that I'd do good for him. 
Whew. Boy, that's, that's big words. So this is what you say to me. You say that God foreknew that you would believe after God jerked the cover off and made manifest His mystery of salvation and God opened your blind eyes to the fact that you were on the road to hell and God drew you to His Son. God foreknew you would believe after He he did all that. I, I agree. I agree, did. But did you believe because of you? Or did you believe because of what God did in you? So God's not foreseeing faith. Lord, have mercy, no. Faith come from God. God gave me the faith to believe it through the gospel and by the Spirit. And so... God's not foreseeing what a good person that He was. i tell you who He foreknew. His elect. Those that He loved, that He gave His Son Jesus to purchase and to redeem. Listen. Moreover, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to limit in advance to predetermine That's the meaning of that word. It is, it is the exact same word used in Acts chapter number 2, verse number 23. Him, Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God predetermined, God limited in advance that His Son Jesus was going to come and be delivered. That was the plan and the will of God. Well, I tell you, these that are saved, they were foreknown of God. And those that He foreknew, those that He selected, He predestinated. He predestinated. Now, let's listen. Let's go on just for a minute. To be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so to the crowd that would say He's talking about Jesus here that was predestinated, the Bible says that whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed, that word conformed, jointly formed, similar made, to the image of His Son. So Jesus was predestinated to be made in the image of Jesus. That don't work, does it? No, i tell you what He's looking at. He's looking at His elect in the fallen race of Adam and He has predestinated them to come out of the natural seed of Adam and be made like, be made similar to the Son of God. He doesn't say here now, He doesn't say to salvation. He says they're predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. Does that include salvation? It does. But i tell you what it does now. He don't give me any white worm room to get out of my life being changed. 
This work that God's predestinated man to is that their life be changed, they be redeemed from Adam's seed and be made new creatures. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10, we are His workmanship created unto good works which He hath before ordained. I tell you then that God saves. He has predestinated. He's already determined that them that He saves, their lives will be changed. This bogus thinking, and it's wishful thinking, that's outside of the Word of God, that people are saved, and yet their life is not changed. And yet, they have no care for the things of God. Friends, that can't be. Because them that He calls... Them that He's foreknown, He's predestinating them to be made like the Lord Jesus. It's the work of God. It's not up to me. This is the truth. It's not up to me whether I want to come to church today or not. To a multitude of people, it's whatever they feel like doing today. I tell you, I could lay at the house and I tell you what I'd lay in. I'd lay in the weight of guilt. I've been at work before. And something fly wrong and it get up towards 6 o'clock and the heart in my chest waller out of me. God, just make a way. I want to be there. That's happened. That's happened to me. My God, you think I've got the choice? I tell you, God won't let His people fall out of the way. God will keep them without fail. Won't He, Anthony? Anthony already read it. They cannot get out of His hands. It's God's work and not their own. They're predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. We're out of time. We'll pick up there next time.